You're listening to the weekly podcast from Solid Ground Church. We hope that this is uplifting and encourages you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. If we can be of any help at all, please visit us on the web at solidground.church. Now let's get to this week's message. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thanks for tuning in to Church Online. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, if we haven't met, my name is Bert. I'm one of the pastors here. Thank you so much for getting up. Thanks for clicking the button to watch the video. We are thrilled that you're joining us. And I just got to tell you guys, I don't know what it is, but this morning, I'm just feeling a little bit loose. I'm, like, I'm ready just to let loose. I'm ready just to get, get a little bit crazy. Do me a favor, wherever you are right now, if you're at home, if you're sitting next to your spouse, just look at them and say, I'm ready to let loose. Just go ahead. If you're with some friends, just look and go, I'm ready to let loose. If you're sitting next to a stranger, you can say that, but then get ready to run because they're now calling the police. But anyway, we are so glad that you guys are tuning in and you're joining us at the end of a series called God of Miracles. So if you have a Bible, do me a favor, open it up to John chapter 6. That's where we're going to be today, John 6. Um, while you're turning there, let me just kind of recap what we've been doing over the last, well, this is the seventh week now, or sixth. Or I, I, guys, I'm going to be honest with you, I, I lose track because these things kind of all blend together for me. Uh, but hopefully you're liking it. So um, here's the thing. Here's what we've been doing. Every single week we've been looking at a different miracle that Jesus performs in the gospel of John. So yes, and we've seen him raise uh, a guy who couldn't walk. We've seen him, uh, you know, do this, this great thing where he's provided like a big miraculous feast. We've seen all this awesome stuff. And today, we're going to look at one of the coolest miracles of Jesus. In fact, it's one of those ones where uh, three of the four Gospels record it. And uh, it's one of those things where like, typically when people sort of snapshot the life of Jesus, this is almost certainly comes up because it's just so sort of famous and uh a staple of Jesus's life and ministry. But what we're going to do is we're going to uh, dig into it, maybe see some significance that uh, many of us might not be aware of. So in John 6, we're going to begin in verse 16. Here's what it says. When evening came, so it's the same day where Jesus has performed the miraculous feast, you know, he's divided the fish and, and the bread and says, okay, when evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong, now here's a neat little, neat little detail. Okay? It says, a strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. In fact, uh, in, in uh, Matthew's account of this, what he says is like, because of this crazy storm, what happens that the disciples, it take, like this temporary trip takes them and like, keeps them on the sea through the night because of this strong wind. And so this next part actually happens hours and hours later between about 3 and 6 a.m. So here's what it says, okay? So they, the storm grew up, verse 19. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water. And here's the understatement of the century and they were frightened, as I think any of us would be. Uh, again, Matthew actually records the reason they were frightened is because they thought Jesus was a ghost. And so you kind of imagine being in a storm, see a dude coming towards you. I'd probably panic as well. So we're going to focus in here in verse 20. It says this, but he said to them, it is I. And we're going to pause right there um, because that phrase is a very unique and interesting phrase uh, in this story, it's more than Jesus just identifying himself. It's more than him just being like, hey guys, don't worry. Like this is, you know, it's me. Like, here, let me show you like my driver's license. That's sort of like uh, recognition of identity. It's actually much deeper. So 
to explain, let me just say it this way. So the New Testament um, that we have, it actually, if you didn't know this, um, it wasn't originally written in English. It was originally written in ancient Greek, okay? And in ancient Greek, the, the phrase that we translate here as, it is I, is a really unique phrase that, that um, John uses throughout his gospel. I mean, it's a little bit weird because it has more to do uh, than just a person identifying themselves. Literally, the, the phrase, if you were to translate it, it's, it's from the Greek phrase, ego, which means, like, like, like ego, I, uh, and ami, which is I am. And so, um, like, the, the phrase, if you were to translate it, just sort of point blank, here's what it would be when Jesus says, it is I. It would just be this, I am. I am. And so, he comes walking towards the boat. They're freaking out, and he goes, I am. And here's why this is interesting, okay? Because throughout the Gospel of John, you, you like, I mean, it's just littered with these moments where Jesus uses this phrase that just, we're gonna get to the significance in a second, but just over and over and over again, it's like this, ego in me, this I am, I am, I am. In fact, in, in biblical scholarship, this because this, this isn't like a French thing I'm making up, this is what's known as the I am statements of, of the Gospel of John, that, that John goes out of his way to bring up these stories and these details of Jesus just going, I am. So I'll give you some other examples. One of them we've actually already seen as we've been going through the Gospel of John as a church. You might remember uh, several weeks ago when we talked about Jesus and the woman at the well, and he reveals himself to be the Messiah. And here's what he, here's what he says in John uh, 4, 26. It says, Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Okay? Now here's the neat thing. All right? In the original Greek, the, the he isn't there. I mean, if you were to look at sort of a Greek manuscript, it would just say, I don't speak to you, I am. I mean, there it is again, like, ego, I mean, I am. Here's another one, okay, in, in John 8, 58, okay? Uh, like, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and he says, listen, very truly I tell you, uh, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. And there it is again, like, okay, Jesus is saying, listen, before there was this Old Testament patriarch, Abraham, Jesus would say, I existed, I am. And then so, like, we, we go on forward more. I mean, I'm, I'm just giving you a few. There's tons of them. Like in John eleven twenty five, there's this moment right uh, before Jesus raises this guy, Lazarus, from the dead. Spoilers, we'll talk about that later. Um, there's this moment where Jesus is addressing Lazarus' sister and says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. I am, I am, I am. And at this point, maybe you're going, so what? What is the significance of these two words? And the significance is actually huge. So understand, uh, to, to understand like why John includes this and why Jesus is saying this about himself, we gotta rewind the clock of history way, way, way back, hundreds and hundreds of years, <laughs> more than a thousand years before Jesus even walked the earth. See, in the Old Testament, there's this story that begins in the book of Exodus. And it's about a guy named Moses. Maybe you've heard of Moses. Maybe you've, you saw you know, the movie The Ten Commandments or Prince of Egypt, right? If you haven't, here's kind of the beginning of Moses' story in a snapshot. Moses uh, grows up in a time where he's, a, he's an Israelite, he's a Hebrew, and the Israelites are under the slavery of Egypt. And Pharaoh decrees that every, you know, Israelite Hebrew baby boy should be killed. But, but you know, Moses' mom, she, she, she figures out a way to get him out of that. He's put in a basket, goes down a river. He's found by, of all people, Pharaoh's daughter. He's raised in Pharaoh's house. He grows up, but he never forgets his roots. 
And one day he sees an Egyptian official mistreating an Israelite. And Moses, in a fit of rage, you think you're jacked up. Moses, in a fit of rage, kills this guy. Buries his body and thinks, okay, I got away with it. Only it turns out he didn't. And so he has to flee for his life. And while you know, he, he, he's on the run, he sets up a life for himself in the wilderness. And he becomes a shepherd. And he thinks, okay, my, my former life, my relationship with my people is gone. And for 40 years, he's out there just tending to herds. And one day, he sees this bush that's burning. And it's not being consumed. It's not burning up. And he goes towards it, like, what is that? And the fire is God. And God speaks to him. And he says, listen, I've seen the oppression of my people. I want you to go back. And I want you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go so they can go and worship me. And Moses looks at himself, you know, and he's like, well, who, who am I to say anything like that? And he begins to have this back and forth with almost this argument with God why, he, like, why God is picking the wrong guy. And so this, this discussion like reaches a culmination and in Exodus 3.13, here's what it says. It says, Moses said to God, well, suppose I go to the Israelites and, and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what's his name? Then what shall I tell them? And here's God's response to him. God says to Moses, I am who I am. That's what you're going to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So jump forward now. When Jesus begins to adopt these statements about himself, when he goes, listen, I am the resurrection of the life. When, when he walks on the water towards his disciples and he calls out to them and he says, I am. He's adopting the title of God. He, like this is so big, okay? We, and we just, this is such a big theme in John, you guys. Like when it comes down to it, one of the things John wants you to see about Jesus is that he is God in a bod. We talked about this. Uh, we talked about this last week. Again, listen. If you're curious what God is like, look at Jesus. If you wonder how God would respond to you or to me, you look at how Jesus responds to people because because Jesus is God in human flesh. He's revealing God's nature to us because He is God. This is so big, okay? Because when it comes down to okay, like why can Jesus walk on the water? Because He's God. Why, why, can, why can he still the storm? Why can he do the impossible? Why can he be one who does miracles? Because he's a God of miracles. And you might go, okay, well, so, you know, like, can you back that up a little bit more? Yeah. It's why, again, here's another example of Jesus just going, I am. And even when he says that, it's like power just explodes from him in the Gospel of John. So there's this story near the end of the Gospel, right, where Jesus is about to be arrested, okay? Like he, like he set himself aside. He's willingly going to go to the cross for your sin and mine. Nobody takes his life from him. He wasn't mugged. He wasn't overpowered. He laid down his life. Okay, there's this moment where Judas Iscariot brings this like, battalion of soldiers to come and arrest Jesus. And the soldiers show up, and Jesus goes, who are you guys looking for? And they say, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, I am. He. And look at this. In John 18, 6, here's what happens. It says, then Jesus said, and it says when Jesus said, I am he, I am, ego me, they drew back and fell to the ground. Why? 
Because his nature was revealed in that moment. Because he's God. And here's the crazy thing about this. Why I just want to hammer this up because you might be going, okay, I don't understand what that matters for my life. Well, for a moment, just think about this and look just logistically for a moment. Just think about how different this is from every other religion I've ever heard of. Have you ever thought about like how Christianity, I know like sometimes we just think, oh, all religions are basically the same. No, they're not. No, they are not. Aside from the natures of God, like the gods in them, their personalities being different, what salvation, I mean, besides all that, just think about it like this, okay? Most religions that I'm aware of go something like this, okay? He goes, there's a prophet, right? Like there's a God that some people believe in, there's this prophet, there's this person who says, listen, that God has spoken to me, and here's what you need to do, right? Okay, and, and if you were to talk to the prophet, wow, that God spoke to you? Yeah, will that God speak to me? Uh, no, no, it's private, it's, it's back here, it's just our thing. And that God sort of removed at a distance. Now, but think about how different this is. Because if Jesus is God in a bod, it's not like a temporary revelation where, okay, like, you know, like the prophet was super praying. No, the, 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 the authors of scriptures and the hundreds and thousands of witnesses of the, the life of Christ, what they would say is, listen, he walked among us for 33 years. He showed us things like we weren't even looking for. And when it comes to your experience and mine, again, like sort of different from other religions, where it's like, like the holy figure who's up here. Here's the universal experience that every believer, every follower of Christ can have that's promised to you and me by Jesus himself. And John 16, 13 says this, when he, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit will come to us. Says, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you, you, into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is to come. Meaning like, hey, the Holy Spirit, according to Jesus, is gonna speak to you. This isn't a prophet thing. This isn't somebody else who isn't you, who's more holy than you, who's more sanctimonious than you. This is a believer thing. And this is really big. It's very different. Here's the difference between the gospel and every other religion that I've ever heard of. The gospel says God is here and you can have him. It's not for the cream of the crop. It's not for the, the elite. It's not for the, the super like purified who got all their stuff together. In fact, no, God went out of his way to get to you when you didn't even care about him. That's the gospel. And we see this here in John 6 where Jesus begins to walk on the water to do the impossible, to get to these guys on this boat. And so he says, again, in John 6, 20, he says, it is I, literally, I am. And you might go, okay, well, if God were to really show up and he were to really speak to you and me and he would reveal himself like that, what would he say? Here's the second half of that sentence. I am. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And it says, and they heard this, and they were willing to take him into their boat. Immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. The storm stops. Okay, so what do we glean from that? There are two things I want us to focus in on in the remainder of our time. Number one, um, Jesus' words to the disciples in the boat, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. 
do, do you know that if God is with you, it means you don't have to be afraid? Let's just soak in that word for a moment. Because I feel like everything about the world and the messages that we're being bombarded with daily would tell us the exact opposite. You know, we, we live in the age of corona. We live in the age of pandemic. And, and, and there's this, there's this, because, because everything that we're used to is just thrown off right now. There's this growing anxiety and fear, and it's just reinforced by so many voices that we don't even question it anymore, and we don't even pause to realize what's being done. And this was, this was pre-corona. I mean, my, my goodness, have you, like, think about how, like, if you just even, if you flip on the evening news, like before the pandemic, there's always something wrong. There's always some crisis. There's always some sadness. There's always something you should be afraid of. Sometimes I just feel like, you know, if I'm flipping on the evening news, it should just be called, what's going to kill you tonight? Like, that's what the evening news should be because it's always about, like, something. If you don't believe me, by the way, okay, just think about it. Like, tonight, imagine, like, if you were to flip on the evening news, all right, and, and, and you know, like, you got the anchor, you got, like, the da 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 or, you know, like, the epic music, and, and it goes to the anchor. They're sitting there, and they look up, and they welcome you. Imagine, like, the anchor looks at you, and they went, Something ridiculous, like, our top story tonight, lettuce can kill you, right? Like, now, okay, that seems ridiculous, but hold on. How many of us, because we've had moments like that so much, most of us, if we heard that, it would not be shock and outrage, even though lettuce is in, like, everything that we eat, right? Okay, and some of you are like, no, meat only, praise God, kindred spirit. But, okay, like, lettuce, very common, okay? So most of us wouldn't be like, ah, what would we do? We would go like this. Oh, man, I liked lettuce. And what is that? Well, what that is, is the fact that we're so used to being told that things can kill us, it doesn't even phase us anymore. We're so bombarded with fear that it just becomes part of how we approach and consume and experience the world. Watch, in the next few months, as we go into election season, hey, let me go there. Okay, as we go into election season, here's the subtle message, and it'll be packaged in different ways, but here's the subtle message that you will be confronted with again and again and again, and it's a farce. And here's what it is. Elect our guy, or the world will end. I mean, like, it'll, be, it'll be a little more subtle than that, but that's kind of the gist of it, right? So if you elect this guy, like if you elect the guy that we don't like, then you're, you, might, you might as well just be signing your kid's death sentence, okay? Like if you elect this person, then okay, the country's gonna end and, and only the person that we're paying for to have the ad, shocker, okay, only that person can save you. And it's just fear and fear and this is like this, you know, this is the most important election we've ever had, okay, as opposed to the, the other ones. What is that? Fear. And this is what the world does to you again and again. Just be afraid. Be afraid. Be afraid. Why? Because if you're afraid, they can control you. If you're afraid, they make money off of you because you pay for whatever they tell you will make you not afraid. If you're afraid, you will vote for who they want you to vote for. You will do what they want you to do and you won't question it. You won't stop to be like, okay, does this line up with the scriptures and what does this mean for my faith? You're afraid, so you become irrational. 
And this is the thing, brothers, sisters, this is what I want you to hear this morning. As we talk about Jesus walking on the water and stepping into the boat and saying, listen, it is I, God revealed, don't be afraid. Here's what I need you to know in the face of pandemic, in the face of chaos, in the face of how the world is currently looking. We don't have to be afraid because Jesus is in our boat. Let me say that again. You and me, we don't have to be afraid because we know who's with us. We don't have to live quivering and cowering because what's the worst that this world could do to us? Take our lives? Okay, and then what? Well, I guess we live with Jesus forever and never experience pain or suffering again. Like, you and I do not have to live in panic. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live quivering because at the end of the day, yeah, the world may give us problems. The world may bring us to experience trouble, but we take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. Oh, and by the way, come on, that should cause you to shout so loud, I should hear you from home at this building. We don't gotta be afraid because Jesus is in our boat. Dang, preach myself down. Huh. Hang on. Woo. That's first gleaning. Here's the second one. Second one. <laughs> and this one's kind of fun too. To understand next, let's just jump back in your Bible to John 6:21. Here's what it says. Okay, so Jesus says, you know, it's I, don't be afraid. It says, then they were willing to take him into the boat. And immediately it says, the boat reached the shore where they were heading. Now, I want you just to understand the miraculous moment that happens here, okay? So they've been out on the lake. The wind and the waves are coming, and they're freaking out. In fact, the entire night, they've been sort of trapped on the waters. They, they row as hard as they can. They're not getting anywhere. And in a moment when Jesus steps into their boat, even though they were in the middle of all of it, suddenly when his foot makes contact with their vessel, they are at land exactly where they should be. That's miraculous. But here's the cool thing. And you should just know this. Those who walk with the Lord are always where they should be. Always. There's never been a moment where you were, like, if, if you're walking with the Lord, right, Romans says, God works all things together for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose, right? Like, okay, as you go through this, there's never been a time where you were outside of God's care, God's sovereign hand, God's, God's guidance. He is always working things together for you. And we see this in this moment. When they let Jesus in, they end up where they should be. Now, I wanna just tease this out a little bit more and I want you to see something because actually everything about this miracle is setting up this point. You go, how? It's just a dude walking on water. And that's kind of the problem too, right? Like this is one of those stories, if you grew up in church like I did, this is one of those stories that you're used to. It's kind of one of these like best of Jesus moments, like a, like a sitcom, you know, it's like, oh yeah, you remember the time Jesus walked on water? Yeah. And we never question why that story is included. And we never wonder what's so significant about it. Like what, I mean, Jesus did all kinds of miracles. Why is it that one was such a big deal to the people who saw it? Here's the answer. Because it was a fulfillment of Old Testament scripture and promises about God's Messiah and King. 
It was a fulfillment about this idea that history ultimately is in God's hands. Here's what I mean. So hundreds of years before Jesus, there lived this guy, this prophet. His name was Daniel. Maybe you've heard about Daniel. Daniel, uh, he lived in a time where his people, the, the Israelites, they've been carried off into captivity in Babylon. And Daniel is basically a story about, listen, as bad as things get, remain faithful to the Lord because he's with you through all of it. So you have stories, right, about like Daniel in the lion's den. He, he gets persecuted for his faith. He's thrown in the lion's den. God takes care of him through it. You've got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Listen, they choose not to bow down to other gods. They're thrown in a fiery furnace, and there was another in the fire. You know, like walking with them. Like why? Because God is with them. I mean, it's sort of the reoccurring motif of Daniel. And midway through the book, what happens is the book sort of switches genres. It goes from what's called narrative, which is like telling a story, to prophecy. It begins to talk about the sort of, like, here's what's coming in the world as Daniel begins to receive visions from God. And Daniel accurately predicts upcoming world governments that came after his lifetime. And as the book is wrapping up, like in the very last chapter of Daniel, there reaches this point, as Daniel's sort of blown away by everything that he's seen, that he has the following vision. And here's what it says in Daniel 12, starting in verse five. It says, then I, Daniel speaking first person, then I, Daniel, looked. And there before me stood two others. One on this bank of the river and the other on the opposite bank. So you got these two guys and they're standing on opposite ends of the river. One of them said to them, so now you got this other guy who's speaking, he's asking questions of this other guy on the other side, uh, said to the man clothed in linen. So you got one guy who's calling across the river who can't get across the river to another guy clothed in linen representing like purity and, and, and this sort of holiness. Okay, it says, who was it? But look at this line now, okay. Who was above the waters of the river? How long before these things are to be fulfilled? So you had these two guys and they were on opposite ends of the water, but now here's this other guy. He's walking above the water, but he doesn't fall in it. Daniel 12, seven says this. The man clothed in linen who was above the water to the river lifted his right hand and his left hand towards heaven. What does this look like to you? To me, it looks like a man on a cross. And I heard him swear by he who lives forever, meaning he takes the authority of God, saying, it will be for a time, times and half a time. And then he begins to explain, listen, here's what you do in the face of all this. Here's the idea. And this is why Jesus walking in the water is so significant, okay? Because we have this moment of this guy in Daniel, this vision, okay? I think the first guy was probably Moses because Moses couldn't cross the water on his own. God had to do that for him. Okay, but... You have this other guy, you got this water raging under him and he walks above it and doesn't fall in it. And the thing that we learn about this guy in this story is that history is in his hands. That he's the one that you consult when you wanna know where everything is going. That he's the one, okay, like you don't have to be afraid of because he's obviously in control. He obviously knows what is happening. Rewind to John 6. Why is it that once Jesus goes, I am, and they've seen him walking on the water, they let him in the boat? Because they know who he is. He's the prophesied king. He's the Messiah. He's the one who is the fulfillment of God's plan because he is God. 
church in an age, this is what I just need you to hear today, in an age of fear. And everybody's just trying to get back to the way things were. And everybody thinks, like, man, if, if all these fears were removed and if everything lined up the way that would make me comfortable, then I'd be walking with the Lord. We sort of think that life is somehow a detour. We think, okay, like where I am, there's, there's a plan that God has for me and I've, and I've derailed off of it, but if I can just get X, Y, and Z together and X, Y, and Z just changed, then I'd be right back online with it. Here's what I need you to understand. My brother, my sister who is in Christ, know this about the season in which we're living. You have been made for this time, not in spite of it. It's not about getting past corona. I mean, of all the time in history that God could have made you, he made you for now. And of all the places in the world that he could have placed you, he placed you where you are right now. It's not about, okay, I'll just get all these things together and then... I'll be within God's plan. No, you've been made for this, not in spite of it. This is not the thing to be dodged. This is the thing to be walked through. This is not the thing that we just go, okay, if God got rid of that, I'd be with him. No, you are with him now. Why? Because he's in the boat. And here's the thing I want you to know today. You're not alone. And even in the scariest times, this is what we see right here. In the scariest times, Jesus is still very much in control. He's still very much working. And yeah, that wind and that wave, they are scary. But he's greater. So let's pray to the God of miracles. Heavenly Father, we seek you in this moment. And we hear your words to us. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Lord, we choose right now. And guys, I I just sense this thing right now, okay? Here's the exhortation to you and me. Fear comes from what we choose to lock our eyes onto. So right now, you need to choose. Who are you going to look at? Are you going to look at Jesus or are you going to look at the wind and the waves? Lord, we choose to look at you. You're greater than the things that the world would throw at us. You're greater than the the times in which we live because the times in which we live are ultimately obedient to your hand. We're not outside of you. So Lord, we ask you as a people, would you show us what you want us to do? We're not asking you to take us out of these times. We're we're asking you, because we believe you've entrusted them to us. We're asking you, show us how we can serve you best in these times. Show us how we can best carry the gospel in these times. Lord, we hand this to you. We trust you. You've always been good. We trust you. And while you're still praying, listen, um, if what I've been saying seems backwards to you and you're like, man, you, you talk about having the glasses half full, I want to challenge you to think, listen, the reason that this is so scary is because ultimately you don't know hope. Listen, I can live for eternity because I know the one who has purchased me from my sin. Maybe the reason you're so afraid is because you don't know Christ. And today, if if you're looking at your life, if you're looking at where you are and you would say, you know, 
my gosh, um, I have no relationship with God. Maybe even religious, maybe not. But like when it comes down to it, like when I was talking about the Holy Spirit speaking, have you ever, like, have you regularly having that in your life where God speaks to you, where you're walking through life with him? If not, I want you to know that you can. And the best part is you can't earn it. It's free. God loves you so much that while he wasn't even a thought in your mind, while, while you didn't give any rip about him, he loves you so much. He sent Jesus into the world. Jesus came to die for your sin and mine. He died on the cross for us freely so that his blood was shed, so that the judgment that we deserved, he took on himself. Jesus died to make you and me right with God and to put us back in a relationship with God. And so that you can know that's true, God the Father raised him from the dead, which is an eternal promise that one day he will do that for you as well. And he will give you eternal, unending life. And so today, if you would say you don't know Jesus, or maybe where you are is you were walking with him, you walked away and you want to come back, his grace flows unending. If that's where you are, I want you to pray with me. Let's hand things over to him see what he does. So here's what we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. God, I I confess that I've sinned. I've done things that I knew were wrong. I've tried to be the leader of my life instead of letting you do it. I'm sorry. But right now, I believe that you love me because I believe you sent Jesus for me. And, and somebody just needs to hear that as well, by the way. I feel like I, you have a hard time letting the, the feeling of love go into your heart. And so you're like, I, I just don't feel that God does that. And I would just say to you, listen, um, if Jesus showed up, it means God loves you. And so like, will you just go with me that far that, that you believe Jesus came into the world and died for you and rose from the dead for you. And that's what we pray. Lord, I believe that you did that. So right now I'm handing my life over to you. Please fill me with the Holy Spirit. And please show me how to walk with you. I'm asking you right now, Lord Jesus, to get into the boat of my heart. I hand it all over to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now listen, if you prayed with me just now, I want you to know you haven't finished the race. You've just started it, and we want to help you take your first steps, which is why we as a church, we create a special website just for you. If you go on over to solidground.church slash first steps, you're going to find a bunch of free resources and videos that'll help you get going forward in your relationship with Jesus. Also, guys, I know things are uncertain. If there's anything that our church can be praying for you about, if there's any way that we can serve you, if there's any way we can be the hands and feet of Jesus in your life this week, please email us, hello at solidground.church. Let us know what we can be doing for you. Blessings on all of you. Hope you guys have a great week. Thanks for tuning in today, and we will see you guys next week. Happy Sunday.